0: commitment, dedication, success, Copland, Keebler, and Wallace. The most trusted name in executive search and consulting welcomes you to the KKW Podcast, where we delve deep into the not-so-simple art of hospitality. And now here's your host, award-winning journalist, compelling storyteller, and video
1: strategist, Corey Sabin. And it's wonderful to be here with you today, and welcome to another edition of the Copland, Keebler, and Wallace Leadership Podcast. Today, we have two dynamic guests. First, please join me in welcoming Kate Bueller from Profitable to Train. Kate has over 30 years of experience working in luxury hospitality and has helped many businesses realize their financial and service goals. Training teams worldwide has given Kate a holistic view of how departments can work together to create the seamless, intuitive service that guests desire. Working with top brands internationally deepened her knowledge of multicultural environments, business styles, and marketing principles. Her specialty is finding ways to increase job satisfaction and company profitability by emphasizing how each employee's key role fits within the organization. Participants leave Kate's Sessions feeling engaged, focused, and inspired to do their best. Also joining us is Annette Whitley, who has nearly 20 years of luxury hospitality service experience, a majority of it with the Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts, before joining Copland, Keebler & Wallace, where she specializes in food and beverage training, consulting, and executive chef searches. Both of my guests are passionate individuals with a wealth of knowledge that we're going to tap into today. So ladies, Welcome to the podcast. Our topic today is trends to watch and how luxury hotels and clubs should learn from one another. But first, Kate, I have to ask you, how did you and Annette meet?
0: Oh, hello, Corey. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on today. And uh, I love Annette. I loved her from the start. And uh, how we met, you know, several years ago, I was working as an independent consultant with Profitable to Train and I came to speak at a beautiful luxury hotel, beautiful resort in Hawaii, where Annette was working as a director. Um, We found out that we had a lot in common, including our approach to guest services and training, and ever since then, we remained in touch and supported each other's careers, Um, which is, by the way, just a great reminder that you should always keep in touch with people, right? The contacts that you meet along the way, eventually there's opportunities to reconnect and collaborate.
1: Never burn a bridge, right, Annette?
0: Absolutely, and uh, from the moment I met Kate, I just was in awe of her, and still am, to be quite honest. (laughs) She's one of the best trainers. I've sat through her sessions, and uh, I've learned so much from her over the years. And uh, when she, uh, you know, she's been traveling the world, and I've always kind of followed what she's doing. And when I left operations and uh, started uh, doing the consulting and such, side of things as well you know she's uh, just been somebody that uh, I picked her brain and uh, we've uh, collaborated on things and uh, it's kind of fun to span the luxury hotel world and the private club world and uh, it's always a great discussion to see how those two areas can learn from each other.
1: You know Annette you mentioned she's one of the best trainers and in, in my intro I mentioned of course that people leave feeling engaged focused and inspired to do their best so Annette, if you could, give us a glimpse, and let's brag about Kate a little bit, give us a glimpse into some of her trainings, and what makes them so dynamic?
0: Well, first and foremost, she just connects with people uh, on a really um, genuine and uh, approachable and humble level. Um, She's probably one of the best traveled people I've ever met in my life, and once you really start talking to her, stories are pretty legendary, (laughs) Um, but... She knows what uh, it feels like to be a guest, but she also knows what it feels like to take care of the people um, that we're serving and she keeps it real. So she's not one of these trainers that comes in and, you know, of course we operate at a really high level in luxury and clubs and in hotels and resorts and the expectations are through the roof, but she can relate on a way um, that just connects with the team, right? She's been there, she's done it. Um, Gosh, Kate, your days as a butler in was it New York City when you taking mm-hmm. care of so many different people. I mean, she's seen it all. She's done it. And she has the stories. So when she's oh in a gosh. room with her, when she's in a room with people she's training, she just you know she knows what they've been through, and that's uh, that's really rare, right? And uh, and really special. So wow, ca- it feels like it's my birthday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all about you, Kate. So share with us some of those stories, if you would that you that Annette was just alluding to.
0: Oh, well, first of all, so just back at Annette, I mean, she has such an elegance to her that I could never have. I just, all I do, my, my whole secret is, uh, when I'm speaking to groups, I try to make them laugh, but I always let them laugh at me because I always just say there is not a dumb mistake you could possibly make that I haven't made myself. And, uh, and then I share those dumb mistakes and I've made plenty. And I, I think that, uh, when we talk about being relatable, you know, what really matters is when, when Annette goes to talk to her clientele or when I go to talk to my clientele, that they can feel, they can sense that feeling of uh, if you make mistakes, if you experiment, it's okay. What really matters is how do you recover, right? How do you, uh, how do you go back? If you, if you say, Oh, I should not have done or said that, what can you learn from that experience? So, um, you know, I, I did indeed work in hotels for a very, very long time in just about every department and position. And so I do try my best to, to speak to, to groups um, at their interest point, right? I won't say their level because actually everybody is at a very high level where Annette and I live. Um, everybody is, is catering to the richest, uh, most discerning customers in the world. And so uh, we're all at that level, but, but I try anyway to talk to people um, about the, the points they care about and how to handle complicated, difficult situations elegantly, as elegantly as I can be. But you listen to Annette talk and she's pretty elegant, so I don't know. It's very nice. Nice of her to say. Thank, thank you.
1: <laughs> so, out of curiosity, what got the two of you interested in collaborating on the similarities in those trends between luxury hotels and private clubs? Go ahead, Annette.
0: Um, oh well you know we were just at um, we were just at a uh, conference out in uh, Minneapolis listening to one of our uh, friends and former co-workers uh, Cindy Katron speak at a women in leadership seminar and um, we were basically sitting discussing our two different worlds and Kate is a member of a private club in uh, up in Boston and uh, we were kind of talking about some of the uh, things that they're doing and some of the things that she sees in hotels and um, some of the crossover and we thought it would be kind of fun to have more of a deeper discussion into, you know, what both areas are doing that's the same or different or at what levels and I think, you know, sometimes we get so focus in on our own sector of the business, um, we forget to look outside and see what other people are doing. And it's always helpful and useful, right? Because we're all in the hospitality business ultimately. So we thought, hey, let's do that. Absolutely. And just to jump in on that, what I have seen is that uh, our customers are the same. So the the members of, of the club that Annette is working with and the guests at the hotels that I work with are the same people. They Uh, They travel the world, Um, they will go to exotic locations uh, in the world, uh, or they will be at home in their their local club, their golf club, or their private club and social club, and their expectations don't change just because they get on an airplane. So the the guest is expecting a certain level of service and a certain treatment, um, and what Uh, What they receive on vacation, they also want to have at home. So that's where there's a lot of crossover. Um, First, we have the same clientele, and then second, their expectations stay the same. And what really got Annette and I talking, remember, Annette, we were in uh, Dallas. We were both working with different clients, right? Mm -hmm. We were working with different clients across the city, uh, but we happened to be in Dallas at the same time, and so we met up for dinner, and we were talking about just how uh, the pandemic has changed the game a little bit and how it's impacted us both, uh, both of our businesses very similarly. Yeah. got to think. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So that's interesting how you came up with it. And obviously you see the parallels between hotel guests and club members and Kate, as Annette alluded to, you belong to a club and you work in the luxury space. So knowing that and knowing that you're training First and foremost, I guess if you could, how do you define luxury for people who are listening, and then how do you implement it once it's defined?
0: Absolutely. So, you know, luxury, when I was younger and starting in the business, I thought luxury just meant expensive, right? I thought luxury was something I couldn't afford, so that's what I thought luxury was. But um, now uh, that I've been in the business for so long, luxury is defined to me in two words. Luxury is consistency. Luxury means that it will always be excellent. It will always be the same level. Nobody's going to drop the ball. Uh, You can feel confident that the amount of service you expect is going to come through every time consistently. But at the same time, luxury is customization, which means that uh, if a a member uh, of a club is very casual, then the server knows to be a little more casual with them. And if a, if a member or a guest is more formal, the server is going to hit all the same standards, but they're going to do it in a more formal manner. So, uh, so that, that those two opposite things of being consistent and yet being different, customization, uh, are what we have to learn in the luxury uh, market. And then lastly, it's the thing that everyone wants. It's scarcity. So luxury is really something that not, you can't find just anywhere. It's something you're going to find only in the upper echelons, the very top, top market. And uh, and that's what we train people to do. That's what we teach people to, to replicate again and again and, uh, and to update as things in the world change, as different things are important to different people.
1: How valuable is that training? Annette? Well, you're out there on the road as well. So that training, how valuable is it? And talk to me about the consistency in teaching as Kate alluded to, the customization, that personalization, if you will.
0: Well, it's invaluable in the sense that uh, you're always paying for training and you can choose how you want to pay for that training or you can pay for it in other ways. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, Successful people are lifelong learners, right? So you don't just train your team and check a box and you know say it's done, right? It it should be ongoing and it should be from different um, resources in different ways and different formats. And the value is that your team are always learning and growing, um, and like Kate, they're looking for new ways to take care of their um, members or guests. And if you don't do that, then you're going to end up paying for your training in different ways meaning you're going to have more turnover you're going to have dissatisfied employees you're going to have more um, you know different personnel issues that keep popping up and that is a lot more expensive than making a choice to actually pay for and invest in and have training infused into everything you do every day with your team it's, it's a mindset it's a culture shift but uh, it's invaluable and I think I mean everybody that knows me knows that I'm just you know, you're always should be training, and uh, you're always paying for training.
1: So, so it's about consistency and really creating brand ambassadors. Is that fair to say?
0: I think across both um, sectors of the industry, right? You, you represent your brand day in, day out. I mean, I, I kind of joke, um, Four Seasons did such a good job of uh, infusing that brand ambassador into me. I I think I I bleed trees, but, uh, you know, in the club (laughs) industry, (laughs) for good or for bad, um, in the club industry, um, you know, you are that brand ambassador to your club. I mean, I still feel like, uh, you know, I have the congressional dome stamped on my heart from working at congressional (laughs) for several years. Um, And when you have that culture um, and uh, you have employees that uh, believe that, I mean, you're a walking representative of every company you've worked for and continue to work with. And when I go into a club, I want them to see me as an extension of, of their team and um, and on their side and working with them, supporting their brand. And I, I know Kate feels the same way.
1: Kate, Agreed. It's such a oh, go ahead. No, I was curious of your take on that. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, I, well, I was just going to say, this is such an exciting time to be in our industry right now. We are living through a historic moment because, on the one hand, we are recovering from, uh, from the post-pandemic. Uh, the pandemic is still going on, but post-pandemic quarantine and changes to the rules, and, uh, and there's a new competitive, a new life that is coming up. In all of my clients, they are just so excited to be reopening and restarting and rewelcoming their guests back. But we are also having this happen at a moment of a labor shortage where employees are harder and harder to come by. And so those two things that are happening in the world right now are causing uh, employers to look at their employees a bit differently I should say at least the smart ones the, the smart employers right now what they're doing is they're no longer looking at that, uh, that employee as disposable they're looking at that employee as an investment mm. and they're looking at that employee as somebody if you can make the employee understand that they represent the brand that they are important so exactly to a next point they are lifelong learners but what we need to do is in inspire employees to do the right thing even when the manager's back is turned. And the way that you do that is you tell them this is your club, this is your hotel, this is your company, you are the representative. So that's the message that Annette and I bring to, to our clients on the road. It's the message that everybody needs to hear is that if you want better employees, invest in them to understand the big picture. And... And invest in them to understand the importance that they have. Their role is important. Um, They are not just there to bring the guest uh, food. They're there to help create a beautiful memory for that guest. And, And that's what the guest takes home.
1: You're absolutely right. Empowering your people really improves your culture and that investment. But Kate, I'd also ask you, what are some of the other things that have changed the most for hotels, as you alluded to in the past 12 months, really uh, from COVID and now as we're hopefully coming out of it?
0: Sure. It's been fascinating. So I started, Corey, writing a book a few years ago about, uh, about the hospitality industry. And I had to stop during the pandemic, although I had all the time in the world, I had to stop because I needed to see what was going to happen next because uh, otherwise it wouldn't have made any sense. And so what's happened, what's changed is uh, right now I'm seeing hotels and clubs have always been clean. You know, luxury hotels and clubs have always been immaculately clean. But now they're cleaning so that the guests can see. It used to be a behind-the-scenes cleaning, mm. and now guests want to see the cleaning happening in front of them. Um, yes, they're also, though, wanting things to go back to quote-unquote normal. I hate that word, but uh, they're wanting to to put some of the, the trauma and some of what happened behind them and move forward. So what I'm seeing now, um, I'm seeing people wanting to get dressed up for dinner again. I'm seeing uh, people want to engage in uh, cooking classes or art classes or – uh, or just roundtable conversations, almost like salons where they can have conversations with people. Um, anecdotally, all of the servers in fine dining restaurants, and I bet you're seeing this too, Annette, are saying customers are spending an extra 25 to 30 minutes uh, for dinner because they, they just got back together again. They want to talk and spend more time. So it's almost it's this this timeout we've all been on has almost been a reminder as to how precious these moments are. And it's a great opportunity for, for clubs and for hotels to make better moments. Would you say that's true? Absolutely. And what's been interesting across the two areas is um, the clubs that have, you know, continued on throughout the pandemic and, and done well during the pandemic they were finding really creative ways to create those experiences within their clubs, you know, socially distanced, on Zoom, um, outdoors. And I think that uh, programming that brought people together um, was brought, for you know, stepped up so much more during the period. And they had the benefit of being able to continue, mostly continue depending on where you are in the country. And it has been a huge difference in location. That's one of the things I've seen that depending on where you are in the country, there's been a, a huge difference in how you've been able to do that. But all of those things that the luxury hotels and, uh, are really starting to ramp up on now, the clubs were really trying to do that more during the pandemic
1: mm-hmm. and
0: create more engagement for their members to keep them connected, even if they couldn't be on property at certain points. Um, So we saw lots of different creative um, things happening during the pandemic, like uh, clubs getting together and going on like a driving tour of their countryside areas and having a socially distanced picnic or things outside on the lawns or online cooking classes via Zoom with the chef and all of those things. Um, A lot of clubs did more during the pandemic.
1: Annette, is it fair to say that those are just some of the things that private clubs have been doing that hotels can be inspired by, frankly?
0: You know, it's interesting depending on which company you're looking at, right? Because there's certain uh, private club, uh, sorry, certain hotel companies that that is like their brand, right? Individual customized experiences that are local to where that destination is. And I think, and Kate can speak more to this, I think we're seeing more of that in hotels now, but um, in clubs, those social group activities and connection with, Um, other members. I mean, that's a core of what it means to be a member of a club, right? Connecting with people that are also members of the club. Um, I think the hotel world has started to shift more into focusing on some of those experiences. But I'll let Kate kind of delve into that a little bit more.
1: Yeah, please do, Kate.
0: Sure. Sure. I would say that uh, this was a test of the creativity of certain brands. Um, This was also a test of the creativity of certain individual uh, general managers, uh, you reminded me, Annette, of there's a, a great general manager uh, friend of ours, uh, Kurt Maher, and he, oh, yeah, he is, he is so creative, and this this man is just very, very creative. Uh, would do well in in any industry that he's in, but he's he's uh, he's a general manager of the uh, the Shangri La uh, Shard Hotel in London. I was lockdown, just there. she' have seen him. <laughs> Oh my goodness! It's beautiful. It's beautiful, <laughs> and I was so proud to know him because during the pandemic, he wanted to keep his people working, and that is a, um, a area of the world that was not traveling much during the pandemic. So, as an example of what he did, he created perfect proposals. So, if Londoners wanted to to get engaged, he did the most um, elaborate room setups I've ever seen in my life um, for people to propose. He was capturing the local market at what is a very traditionally business hotel. And he was, uh, he just changed the whole purpose of the hotel through the pandemic, through all of the quarantine to make sure that his people stayed busy. So I think it comes down to some individual heroes uh, of the industry that want to keep their uh, that just want to keep their people working and want to keep vital in in the field. Um, but hotels, yeah, in resorts, uh, resorts like the one that uh, that I met you working at, and that they they always traditionally had, uh, for example, general meet the general manager uh, cocktail hour at four o'clock, you know, in the afternoon, so that um, vacationers could talk uh, to the to the hoteliers but now it's really more and more focused on talking to each other, meeting other guests, um, single diner tables for people who are traveling on business who might want to meet and network with others. Uh, There's just so many creative things that are happening in the world, and time will tell what stays, what they continue to do and what they don't. Um, But I love this moment in time of experimentation, and let's see what works and what doesn't. And then I run the numbers on it and see what what made money and what didn't, right? So it's, (laughs) it's kind of a fun time, right? It's a fun time to see.
1: But it all starts with training, as you both alluded to earlier, and the people and the teams celebrated as the best will tell you how hard they work to achieve that status. They will tell you they train every single day. You simply do not achieve excellence without training, and the programs crafted at Copland, Keebler, and Wallace grow passion and confidence. Their interactive workshops involve storytelling, sharing experiences, role-playing, situational awareness, and more. They connect your team to the experiences they are delivering by helping them enjoy the processes and products that your club is extending to the membership. Learn more at www.kkandw.com under section heading for our clients. We're talking to two dynamic ladies about how luxury hotels and clubs should learn from each other. And Kate, I want to ask you, What do you see the forward-thinking luxury hotel brand strategizing on right now? And what do you predict or what do you see evolving since you have your crystal ball?
0: (laughs) Wow, I would love to have a crystal ball. um, But I guess I can make an educated uh, guess at some of the things that I'm seeing out there. Uh, I would say that um, hotels used to put a lot more focus on the room's product. for, for the guests, uh, they, would, they would focus on, uh, on that. And the restaurants and spas and other things were really considered, as they would call it, amenities. Um, but now, I think moving forward, it is the responsibility of every restaurant outlet, every uh, spa or service or tennis or health club, each one of those uh, parts that make up a hotel and resort I think going forward is going to have to find how they can be profitable on their own and vital on their own and necessary. Mm. They are starting to, a big shift is they are starting to brand uh, luxury restaurants and luxury spas are starting to actually have their own social media. They have their own TikTok channel. They have their own... Uh, because it is important that uh, that that customers come for that as part of their destination. So it used to be like a nice-to-have, and now it's almost uh, like they are running several operations out of one uh, umbrella company, right? Out of one hotel, each business needs to be profitable, which they weren't so interested in before.
1: Annette, what do you see?
0: Um, you know, Just to touch on uh, that branding piece, um, that's something that uh, I see clubs doing more and starting to really tap into uh, in the sense that uh, if you have multiple restaurants at your club and not all do, but what is the brand and experience of that particular restaurant? Um, And is there a logo for that restaurant? Is there a defined concept for that restaurant? And are you using um, that concept to make decisions in how you drive the service experience, how you drive the food experience, the ambience, et cetera? and are starting to see more of that actually across fitness centers and spas as well within clubs. I mean, some of the clubs down in South Florida, where you are, Corey, I mean, they have beautifully branded spa locations as well. Um, But I think that in the club world, that is actually a newer thing. And I think the club world, we can learn a lot about truly making sure that a concept is thought through in all areas of our clubs from the moment you arrive to the moment you leave. Um, I think that is just a really good area of opportunity that we can learn from. Um, as far as like crystal ball, um, you know, the things that uh, I'm getting asked about and seeing a lot within clubs at the moment at this time, I mean, some of it ties into the uh, labor crisis. I see a lot of clubs looking to ways they can use technology to not necessarily limit the exposure to hospitality, but make the hospitality experience more efficient, faster um, uh, within uh, yeah. their club? How can they encourage use of apps or use of handhelds or um, pay setter apps, things like that, to in, in speed of service? Speed of service is something that comes up every single place I go. I mean, for all of us, right, nothing can be fast enough um, at the moment. And when we're going into a club, unless we're going to, you know, an event and sitting down and really enjoying an it, experience a lot of it. it is our second or third space so you want it to be quick so how we can improve speed of service um, and then uh, I'm hearing from everywhere I go right now a focus on health and wellness and I think you know that's kind of Coming out of the last couple of years, maybe we 're more aware of taking care of ourselves and looking out for health awareness than we 've ever been before, and then just a very tactical granular level. I am just hearing about plant based everywhere I go right now, mm-hmm. that just seems to just be continuing and continuing and continuing to pick up more uh, more things
1: so you shared a lot, both of you, so Annette, I guess a simple follow up is if club managers had to focus on just one thing. How would what would that one thing be to help them get to that next level? Based on what Kate shared and your predictions, and how can they start?
0: Gosh, you know the one thing I would share, Corey, is nothing that I'd mentioned.
1: <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs>
0: the, one, the one, thing that I would share, and it, it, it's the one thing that uh, I think uh, is important across the luxury hotels as well as the private clubs, because this continues to be um, focusing on being engaged, being empathetic, being connected and compassionate with your membership, right? All of those other things I mentioned, right, they're kind of crystal ball trends in the future, but the one thing that uh, always matters across every area is how are your team paying attention to your members and or your guests how are they reading them and then how are they adjusting their style of service like kate said at the beginning how are they connecting and then customizing and crafting an experience to what that guest or member needs in that moment at that time and that would be my one thing i think at the luxury level always but kate would you say something different or build um, on that? <laughs> you know what i would do i would say it does come down to two things and you hit the one is make sure that your your members and your customers and your guests are happy and engaged. And then I would just join that with, if there was one thing I would recommend to club owners and, uh, and hotel managers, and that is check the happiness level of your employees. Mm-hmm. Because happy employees uh, often lead to happier guests and unhappy employees definitely affect your guests' happiness levels. So, so I think the two of them go hand in hand. But um, everyone is feeling burnt out. Um, but, but get to the root of that and see what these what – it's not a pizza party that they need. It is um, right. a reminder of their importance, right? It's job satisfaction. And, uh, and get to how happy your employees are to work for you. Um, whether that's more money, um, it's not always more money, whether it's more money or more uh, more of a importance in their level. I will just say, Corey, we got to a point during a labor shortage, we always do this. We say, I'm going to simplify all the employees' jobs. Uh, they just have to wear the T-shirt and show up with a badge, and they're good to go. We're not even going to bother training them. We're going to make their job as easy as we can, and I'm going to say, don't do that. Give, their, give each employee as much responsibility as they can handle and tell them that they're a part of the program. They are necessary and needed. And when, you, when they feel important and needed, they will behave accordingly. If they feel disposable, they act disposable. So um, that would be mine is make sure your employees are happy.
1: So the question is, and I hear this a lot as well, uh, yes, let's throw, some, let's throw another gift card at them, have the barbecue, have right. the pizza party. <laughs> how do you yeah. make sure that they know they're feeling valued? That, how do you show empowerment and what trends are you seeing and how are these issues being addressed from what you've seen operationally across the country for both of you?
0: Absolutely. If I could take that one, I just had a okay. great example. I just had a great example of this yesterday. I was training a group, a lovely team, amazing team uh, that works in uh, reservation sales. They sell rooms and restaurant reservations, spa reservations. And I had their statistics and their numbers. So I'm talking to 20 agents in front of me, and I said to them, uh about how much revenue do you think you book into this business per year? And I had them all write down a guess. And then I had them share their guess. And these are people who have been there for five years. And they said um, maybe $50,000, maybe $100,000. And then I showed them their numbers, and they each are putting about $2 million a year into their business. Mm -hmm. When they saw that, some of them get teary-eyed. I do this all the time. They get, like, teary, and they can't believe how important they are. And I say, just don't forget how important you are. You matter. You just don't realize it. And then I even take that $2 million, divide it by a typical employee's salary, and I say, each one of you is keeping 70 people working. So when you can do something like that, they understand their importance. It's much more effective than a gift card, as you said, you're exactly right, and a pizza party. Uh, they don't they don't need fake games. They need real data, and they need to be told that you trust them, and you care about them, and you invest in them.
1: I love it. Annette, what would you add to that?
0: Oh, my God. I i got teary-eyed there as well. <laughs> um, you know, like... Taking that when um you know when I was at congressional and uh, our uh, all team member meeting, we had several throughout the year. I mean we share the financials, right we would be very transparent with uh, the numbers um, and I don't know if we all do enough of that in the club world, um, and that's you know a huge part of what Kate does is she takes uh, you know the numbers and makes them real for people um, and sometimes in the club industry we may shy away from sharing the numbers with our employees um, and not talk about them as often because, you know, we're focused on the experience and, you know, we're not for profit and, you know, food and beverages, you know, an amenity. But that doesn't mean those numbers aren't important because like Kate just said, I really did get goosebumps. I mean, those numbers really matter because we're keeping people employed and we're enriching people's lives. And I think if you take it, it, it's not corporate, right? And I hear this in clubs a lot. Well, we're, it's not corporate, so we don't focus on that. But we do need to focus on that because um, it, it does matter, and we just need to take that and deliver it in a way that creates a story like you just shared because that's really powerful, right? It, it makes a difference. And um, if we can find more ways to do that in clubs, I think that would be beneficial as well.
1: I love that aspect of empowering people, and that's one of the great things that the team at Copland, Keebler, and Wallace do. They are committed to the success of their clients, the professionals they place, and the industry they love. Through their commitment and dedication, they are able to advance the careers of their candidates, improve the well-being of their clients, and have fun every day. Learn more at www.kknw.com. So earlier we started this podcast and we talked about training and we can never have enough. My bonus question for each of you is, one, Kate, how do people get started with the training and how important is the consistency and what does a model look like?
0: Um, Sure. For for the hotel industry or the club industry, it's really uh, very much the same. Uh, so if they were contacting myself or they if they were contacting uh, another amazing trainer like Annette, uh, the way that, uh, that I approach a problem and uh, probably I think Annette is doing the same um, method, first thing uh, I would do is speak to the managers and find out what their goals are um, and then uh, see if they uh, are a good fit for what Type of project I uh, work on. But what I do then is, uh, first thing is evaluate the property. I will evaluate and see how the property is working. Uh, I will go as a guest and get a, uh, a member or a guest point of view of the business, and I will observe everyone. I'm observing for their standards, but I'm also observing for their, uh, for their service skills and their sales skills. And then uh, I also do an analysis of their revenue. From an analysis of their revenue, those two things, the the guest experience and sort of an ownership, uh, bird's-eye view experience of what is working and what's not, I feel I've done my homework, and then I train the staff. I train the employees. I train the managers uh, to lead that staff and to continue analyzing their data. And then lastly, I give them uh, suggestions uh, based on what we have found together. So that collaborative effort for me, I typically do in one, week, uh, in one week's visit. So I, I visit a property in one week, and that's usually what they come out with is a 40-page report talking about, um, about where they could improve and they can prioritize it as they want. Um, but the, the process of training to make it back to what Annette said is ongoing. So I'm good. I'm a good trainer, I like to say, but I only am with your people for a few hours. Uh, the real work then has to continue with the management, and you need to put time uh, aside to talk to your employees every day and to share their uh, their statistics, their, their numbers every month. Uh, you need to make that commitment moving forward after uh, one of us leaves. Would you say that's true, Annette? Absolutely. I joke. Um, <laughs> that I'm not a magic pill. I don't come in <laughs> and wave a wand and then everything fixed. And, um, you know, we make sure that when we leave a property that uh, we have some follow-up. I mean, we, we do a lot of one-day, two-day service trainings on our end as well where we're with the line staff and just doing very high level, kind of get everyone pumped up before they're opening or going into season, etc. cetera. Um, but even on those, uh, when we leave, we're asking, what, what are you going to take and continue doing after this? So there's something tangible because somebody has to keep it going every day, day in, day out. And uh, in those pre-ship briefings and those daily interactions and in those uh, weekly meetings, monthly meetings, uh, that's where um, it really matters.
1: Well, we covered a lot of ground today and we learned a lot of how luxury hotels and clubs and what they can learn from each other. Some key takeaways, consistency, excellence, personalization, customization, invest in your people, empower them, show them the data, open up the books so they can see their worth. Kate Bueller from Profitable to Train, Annette Whitley from Coplin Keebler and Wallace, thank you so much.
0: Oh, Thank you, Corey. And if anybody listening would like to um, connect with Kate, I'd be happy to pass on the Uh, Her information, you know, she's, like I said, an exceptional trainer and uh, would uh, do wonders with your team as well. And then I think everyone knows how to contact us also.
1: Well, thank you so much, Kate, as well.
0: Thank you very much. It was great talking to you, Corey, and and always great reconnecting and connecting with Annette. Uh, She's a bright light in your industry.
1: Well. This was another amazing edition of the Cobbler, Keebler, and Wallace Leadership Podcast. I'm Corey Sabin from CS MediaWorks, and we will see you next time.